if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. It is nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It is the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. In the stairwell of the South Tower, Lynn Young is carefully working her way down the stairs. On the 51st floor, Young meets Fire Marshal Ronald Buka and his partner. Buka knows the World Trade Center well. He kept a set of blueprints in his locker after investigating the 1993 bombing, convinced that terrorists would one day return to finish the job. His partner stays behind to assist Young as Buka continues climbing stairs two at a time toward the impact zone. Outside, news cameraman Jack Teliercho has gained access to the plaza between the two towers. The plaza was completely empty. There was debris everywhere. The strangest thing about being out there uh, was that the music that normally would play out in the plaza, so this outdoor music, was still playing on the loudspeakers. All around the towers, people can hear another sound, one they will never forget. Every couple of seconds you would hear a bang. And what that bang was was a body hitting the ground. It was the most god-awful sound you can imagine. You would like just cringe knowing that someone else just died. Someone else just died and someone else just died. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to see that. Yeah, it was yeah, I mean I I witnessed 
at least 20 people deciding to, you know, free themselves from whatever hell they were in and, uh, you know, and, and jump. And there was one girl in particular that I remember. This woman came out on some kind of a jagged beam. Uh, glass blew out, flame shot out, black smoke. The fire had now reached her floor. And um, she's standing there, and I guess she gave up hope. And uh, she blessed herself. And she looked up to the sky and put her arms out, stretched her arms out, and just jumped. I looked up and I saw sort of like a, a waving way up on like the 90th floor. It was a man wearing a suit and he was hanging out of the window and waving his suit jacket frantically, like trying to call for help. It walked out onto the ledge and behind him was a raging, raging inferno. And after uh, a few seconds, he started to kind of climb down the, 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 the face of the building. And as he was climbing down, it looked like he had some kind of rope or something. So he, he's kind of he's making his way down, and then he lost his grip. It is now 21 years <clears throat> since the... Uh, day the world changed and uh, for 20 years I have been doing a special 9-11 commemoration type of program on the radio every year I've just made the decision that as long as I have a platform and as long as I have the, the microphone and the transmitter to make this work every year I would make sure that we kept our promise to never forget uh, that was the that was the mantra in the days after 9/11 maybe even on the day of it was the mantra it was it was we will never forget this um, they made shirts they made bumper stickers never forget um, I took it very very seriously and I just made that decision that every year on the anniversary of 9/11, I would do my part to make sure we never forgot the pain, the shock, the anguish, the heartache, the terror. Uh, that's probably the probably the the operative word is the terror. Um, that's what terrorists do. After all, they cause and foment terror, and they did. Our nation was terrorized. We were terrified as we watched all of this play out on our television screens. That's to say nothing of the people who saw it up close and personal on the ground. Um, today is the ninth morning, not the 11th morning of the month of, of September, of course. Uh, it just so happens this year that 9-11 falls on a Sunday, so we will not have a live show at that time. That's why we're doing this today. Uh, I had a choice, Friday or Monday. I think Monday after the fact, after all of the commemorative events are held at Ground Zero in New York and at the Pentagon and in Shanksville, I kind of felt like doing it Monday would be 
anticlimactic, so I decided to do this today. Um, it's not the only thing we're going to do today, by the way. We do have current events, breaking news, the death of Queen Elizabeth. Um, there are other things that we have to discuss, and we will. But I'm going to make this a, a big portion of the show today, even though, again, it's a little bit awkward because it's not on the date. Next year will be certainly easier, as next year 9-11 will fall on a Monday, and we'll do it live at the time. But what you just heard was, to me, um, maybe the most impactful of the memories, uh, the, the, the shock and the horror of everything from the people who saw the first plane hit, then the world on television seeing the second plane hit because of live coverage of the first one. Um, for the longest time, that was the most shocking thing. Then to see the South Tower collapse on live television, that was the most shocking thing that we saw. Then wondering, is the other one going to go down too? And sure enough, to see the other one, the plumes of smoke, the massive debris field, the the enormous dust and debris clouds that chased people through the streets of New York. For the longest time, those were the most shocking, um, and for some maybe still, um, the most vivid memories uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the horror. But for me... It wasn't at the moment, obviously, because, like I said, for the longest time, those were the most shocking things. And for me, that was the case until we found out about the jumpers. And once we heard about the jumpers and found out what had happened, um, that was the game changer for me. That now is the most indelible uh, part of of that, that horrific attack on our country and on our people um, that, I, that I can process. The videos that emerged after the fact, the zoom-ins on people hanging outside the buildings, hanging outside their windows, waving suit jackets, tablecloths, anything they could find to draw attention to themselves as if to say, get the helicopter over here and save me. Get over here. Help me. Um, that became the, the most direct impression, I guess, on me that, that, that I have of that day. Um, I think the description you just heard in the brief three-minute clip that I played from one of the many, many, many just wonderful all-encompassing documentaries that have been done to really honor the victims and to tell the true story of what happened on that day. That little three-minute clip there was so important to me. That's why I started the show with it, because as you heard the one person say, um, seeing people make the decision to free themselves of whatever hell they were in, that um, is perhaps the most personal uh, experience, I suppose, that that we can try to share. 
to be in a in a raging inferno and know that your choices were to die in flames, which one doesn't want to imagine, or die falling, which one doesn't want to imagine. But if anything captures the horror and the terror uh, of the of the day more than any of the other elements of it, to me that would be it. I remember flying for the first time after 9-11. I don't remember when. I was living in California at the time. And it was a trip back home. This is, of course, after the all flights were grounded for a very lengthy period of time after this. Um, And it was after everything was started back up again. I remember flying afterwards. And I remember sitting in window seats and trying to press the side of my face up against the window to see if I can see forward. I wanted to see if I could see toward the front of the plane. And physically, it was impossible. You, you just can't. It's just it's the, the, the angle of the aircraft, of course, you just can't. You can see to the side. You can see somewhat toward the front, I suppose. But what I wanted to know when I would press my face against that window is, could the passengers see what was in front of them? Could they see that they were about to hit a building? Could they see that their lives were about to end? For the longest time, that was my most personal moment or my most personal attempt at a shared experience with the victims. Could they see? Did they know what they were about to do? And if they couldn't do that, obviously the anybody who's flown, you can see when you're making your descent to your destination, you know, the ground gets closer and closer. And you're like, you know, we're not at 35,000 feet anymore. We're no, there are no clouds below us now. Now I can actually see earth. And now I can actually see highways in a distance. And um, if you're flying over a city, maybe you can see, uh, you know, see the cities and that sort of thing. Could they see how low they were? Could they see what they were about to experience? I didn't know, but I wanted to know, because I, I feel empathy can only come from some sort of an understanding of, of the terror that they went through. And for the longest time, that was my, that was my lens, I suppose. But then when I learned more and more about the experiences, not just of those who were in the building, and of course you can play role reversal there and Imagine being in a skyscraper today, even, looking out a window. Can you imagine what your feelings would be if there were an aircraft, a jet, a 757, bearing down upon you? I mean, just the shock, the horror for those people as well. Um, I have tried to put myself in so many victims' shoes between the people in the buildings, the people on the planes, the people who, after the impact, were in those windows, hanging out and hoping to for, for a lifeline somewhere before deciding, I can't burn to death. Um, away I go. I've tried very, very hard to, to try to put myself in all of their positions. 
just again, because I think that's the the best way to have the empathy and to feel the the horror, I suppose. Um, and I oftentimes forget about people who were on the ground. And that's why I played that clip for you as well. It's one thing to be in the windows and to make that ultimate fateful decision. It's another thing to be on the ground, just shocked at the horror of what you're looking up at and seeing the buildings on fire. It's another thing to hear those thumps every few seconds and to realize what they were hearing and maybe even witnessing. Now, a lot of what I'm saying this morning is graphic. It's sad. It's terrifying. And maybe you're like, okay, okay, we get it. And I guess I would just say, do you? Do you really? Because if you're tired of hearing about it already, then you broke our vow. If you're tired of thinking about it, if you're going to flip past on the channel guide, all of the commemorations, documentaries on 9-11 over the course of this weekend, if you're going to flip past them because I know what happened already, spoiler alert, the buildings fell, move on. If that is your attitude, you are entitled to it. But just know that you broke your vow, our vow, to never forget. Um, That day changed my life. That day changed my life very profoundly. Because I flipped on the TV screen in California holding my three-week-old daughter, feeding her in the early morning. And that's when I saw it happen. And that's when I knew my world had changed. And the little girl that I had just brought into this world was entering something that I couldn't comprehend. That day changed me immensely. It changed my politics. It changed my awareness. changed my desire to know what's going on around the world. And for the last 21 years, um, I think it's changed us all. So that's going to be a part of the show today. Um, like I said, not the entire show. I do have guests coming up to talk about some other things, but I am going to do what I've done for 20 years now, or now 21, on this 21st anniversary. Actually, I guess it should be 20 because I would have started this the first time, the first anniversary in September 11th of 20. Uh, 2002. But for the last 20 years, I've asked you to share your impressions, your memories, the impact it had on you, uh, your thoughts on what happened, why it happened, whether it'll happen again, all of those things. And I want to do that again today. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers to reflect. Coming up after the bottom of the hour news. Chris Rico is going to join us. Chris Rico represents Tunnel to Towers, Medina, which is one of the kind of satellite uh, events uh, that are held every year in commemoration of those who lost their lives on 9-11. Um, it, of course, retells the story, and we remember the story of Stephen Siller, a firefighter who gave his life and made an extraordinary run through the battery tunnel to the towers, even though he was off duty to try to help save lives. An extraordinary run that ended with his climbing the stairs of one of the towers to try to save people and then dying in the collapse. Um, that was the that was the beginning of Tunnel to Towers. It was begun by his uh, brother, Frank Siller, and 
Stephen Siller's memory will never be forgotten, particularly because every year there is a run that commemorates that Tunnel to Towers run uh, that is used to help benefit the organization that helps uh, families of first responders and veterans. It's a big deal. Chris Rico comes on with me every year to talk about this. He'll be joining me after the bottom of the hour news. So this is uh, our 2022 special 9-11 commemoration. It will be merged with news of the day. Um, but I welcome you to be a part of it here on AM 1420, The Answer. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Okay, 937 now on this uh, Friday. A free-for-all Friday of sorts, but it's a 9-11 commemorative Friday as well. We had a call uh, during the break asking, are we going to do our pledge? And uh, my apologies as I uh, open the show with our 9-11 commemorative um, uh, clip and commentary. Uh, I did neglect to do the Pledge of Allegiance. And it's probably more important now than it is every day and any day that we do this. So, yes, go ahead. Patriots, please rise uh, and stand and face a flag if you have one nearby. If you do not, that is okay. Put your hand on your heart at least and join us. If you're driving, you don't have to stand. But please, put your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in any of the things that tear our country apart, including our leadership, then you don't really have any real understanding of what this flag is all about anyway. You are exempted from the request to stand and pledge. You may take a knee instead next to your favorite America-hating ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, 9.39 now. Let's uh, let's dive in. I promised uh, a few minutes ago, and I want to deliver now and bring Chris DeRico back onto our program. Chris joins me every year on or about September. Well, actually, usually the week before, sometime in the week before, in the days leading up to September 11th, uh, to talk about that uh, extraordinary event uh, that is commemorated uh, in which um, Stephen Siller, uh, made the original Tunnel to Towers run to try to save lives in an extraordinary display of self-sacrifice and dedication to life and and to service uh, that we should never forget. His brother, Frank Siller, started Tunnel to Towers in New York City, and there have been satellite uh, events uh, that have been happening around the country ever since. One of those is in Medina, and that's why Chris Rico joins us now to talk about the ninth annual Tunnel to Towers 5K run and walk. Chris, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thanks for having us on, and and I don't know if I can ever remember a more powerful opening to a to a show. Uh, it was amazing. Oh well, it's thank you. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I I hope we all do that to to the extent that we can privately. You know, I just happen to be able to do this publicly, but um, I hope we do. I hope people stop and reflect and and think about it just a little bit. You know, the world changed, um, and and strangely, Chris. Um, the world changed, obviously, in such a horrible way on that day, but so many good things have come from it because of how we react to it. It's something I always taught my kids growing up as they've grown up is, you know, it's not so much what happens to you in life that matters. It's how you react to what happens to you. And the reaction to the horror of that day 
has been extraordinary, and so many good things have been done by for so many worthy people, including first responders and veterans who have made extraordinary sacrifices. And that's what you know the Tunnel to Towers organization has been all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, Stephen is is just a symbol for everyone who who gave so much that day. And uh, you know, we remember the 343 firefighters that died that day, and the police officers as well. But, uh, you know, uh, it's about Stephen, but it's also about everyone who, who gave so much that day. Yeah, and, and, uh, um, and, and what you and, and other volunteers who have, you know, worked with uh, Tunnel to Towers Foundation and, and, and holding events like the, the run that's coming up again on, on Sunday. I mean, I'm looking at the webpage right now, and I would like other people to do that too, tunnel2towersmedina.org. The, the two is not spelled out. It's the number, tunnel, the number two, towersmedina.org. And I'm looking at the homepage right now, and I love the, the, the last sentence of the introduction there. Uh, your support of the foundation and our local events allows us to continue the mis- mission of let us do good. That's kind of what I was just saying to you. You know, as when I say the world changed, it, wor- it changed in a horrific way, but it also changed in, in a positive way because of how we react to it. And look at how much yeah. good is being done in the name of Stephen and all of those uh, who sacrificed. Yeah, and, and, and uh, just to give a little bit of a background, you know, mm-hmm. that the, the the foundation started doing the run the first year after 9-11 mm-hmm. in New York City. And while they were collecting the money on, you know, after the run and, and subsequent runs after that, they really didn't know exactly where they were going to head with this money and what they were going to do with it. But they were collecting the money and, 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 and starting to, to put some thoughts together. And they had a uh, service member that was from Staten Island, and, and I've just gotten to know this from the foundation, is that, you know, Staten Island is where a lot of your – your blue collar, your police, your fire, your your a lot of military are on that Staten Island neighborhood, and they they had a, uh, a uh, service member named Brendan Morocco who came home and he was quadruply uh, injured. He he was uh, amputee, uh, lost both legs and both arms, and so they said, well, we need to do something for this guy, and they and they uh, built him a home. That was the first home that they did, and uh, from then. They started taking care of the most catastrophically injured coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan. We built homes in Ohio for people who are double, triple amputees. Uh, Ohio, between between uh, service members, police, and fire, Ohio is the third um, state on the list that gets the most from tunnel to tower. So wow. don't know if that's a, don't know if that's a good thing, but I do want to let your listeners know that when you do come to the run in Medina, your your money's not going dispersed all over the country it is but you're also helping people right here in ohio wow that is amazing i didn't realize that i didn't realize ohio was uh you know that impacted and that that impactful uh, on the situation but but I'm, I'm i'm so glad to hear that story by the way about the first uh you know recipient of a home because uh, people need to understand, um, you know, th- there's a, there's an enormous opportunity to help heroes, and that's that's the only word to describe people like this. Uh, you know, people who have sacrificed so much uh, in service to the country, uh, in battle, uh, in through deployment. Uh, you know, on battlefields and in war zones. And then, of course, first responders who have suffered uh, so greatly, and, and, and whether they be amputees or in other ways debilitated and in, unable to, you know, live normally, that's what Tunnel to Towers has done. Do you know how many mortgages have been paid off by Tunnel to Towers? And do you know how, no, I, how many specialty homes have been have been built for people, uh, you know, for first responders and, and, and veterans who have uh, who have suffered catastrophic injuries that have changed their lives and their ability to live normally? I, 
I believe it's north of 200, and, and Mark Phillips would be a great person to have uh, for that information. He's, he's with, with the foundation and also lives in Medina. That's, but uh, I think it's north of north of well north of two hundred. Um, you know, fantastic. one thing that's special one thing that's special about the run of Medina is there, there's a couple things that I just want to mention to your audience is that when you run the run in Medina or walk, I don't want to exclusively say you have to run, but you can walk as well, and you're you're welcome to bring your family, your strollers, your your pets, whatever you want to do. But you, you end up getting a lanyard that has uh, a firefighter and his bio on it. And uh, a lot of people run with that lanyard around their neck thinking about that person during the day so that they can put a face, a name to the tragedy. Love that. To the, to the terrorist uh, tragedy. Um, the other thing that we do is we run through the, um, the firehouse in Medina that has the 9-11 memorial. You actually get to run past a piece of the World Trade Center. And on your way in, on the Devil Strip, on the, on the lawn, we have the pictures of the 343 that died that day. So you get to see their faces as you make the turn. Wow. We are talking with uh, Chris DeRico. He's with uh, Tunnel to Towers Foundation, the 5K run and walk that has been held. uh, uh, This is now the ninth one um, is uh, is coming up, of course, on Sunday. As Chris said, uh, they started the actual first one in uh, Manhattan, uh, the actual Tunnel to Towers uh, run uh, literally the the first year after. But uh, satellite, how many of these are there around the country? I kind of said kind of satellite runs and and walks around the country. Do you know how many there are? It it changes every year depending on how, how much support they get and, and how many volunteers are helping but uh there is a web page that is a, a foundation web page that t2t.org which is the uh, letter t the number two and then the letter t.org and that gives a, a a number of different initiatives that we're doing one thing that i think goes hand in hand with your your opening today bob is never forget and the tunnel to towers organization has put together what's called the tunnel to towers 9-11 institute and um, it's a really amazing what this organiza- organization does. I mean, they they just do not stop at doing things that are going to benefit us in the long run. This is a educational curriculum that is available to schools that need to have some kind of formal education about 9/11. They will bring this to the to the schools, and they will they will have that available. So it's called the 9/11 Institute. Um, they just they just don't stop. I mean, they just keep moving forward with with different things that they could do to never forget. You know, um, I went ahead and clicked on that, uh, and it's amazing. I'm looking at it. First of all, it's uh, there's runs and walks like the one we're going to have on Med- in Medina on Sunday, and then there's a climb that is done in various uh, locations around the country as well. Of course, you know, symbolizing the the climb of the, the steps of the towers from the first responders who tried to go up and save so many, and Lord knows how many they actually did save before the tunnel uh, the towers finally collapsed but i'm looking at it um they're in new york obviously the prince william virginia ripley west virginia charlotte north carolina palm coast florida jackson uh, michigan this is all over the place uh orlando florida northern kentucky and yeah we're very fortunate to be one of uh the locations here in northeast ohio which is the one in medina that is being held on sunday um but there there are there are a few dozen as i scroll as i scroll this page there's a few dozen of these go ahead chris no, no, Bob, come to come to Medina. Medina was the first one to do it outside of New York City. It was the oh, wow. See, that's even yeah. better. I didn't know it was first. Yeah. Maybe you told me that in the past, but I had forgotten that because so many have been first one. You know, developed yeah. since then. But that is so phenomenal. Yeah. So, some of these uh, times again, as I look again, at those, 
Uh, I'm sorry, Chris. We're, there's a little delay, I think, no, in our in our in our uh, communication here. That's why we're talking no, over each say, other. No, so. I was just going to say. No, we're fortunate to have Mark Phillips, who uh, you know he he was he was uh, there for the very first run in New York City, and and, and Mark was a first responder here, uh, retired first responder here in Medina, and and he brought it to Medina, and, and wow. now works for the foundation. So as far as the support that we have in in this community, I know I know you know Medina is a small little quaint community but but as far as this run goes it, it, this is this is really where where all the satellite runs kind of got their their genesis that is fantastic so. i didn't i didn't realize that or i didn't remember that but that is awesome uh we're talking to chris Dorico. uh the web page is tunnel to the number two towers org. chris obviously it's day after tomorrow um is it too late to register no not too late to register and uh that registration can take place at that uh t2t.org uh, website, the national website, not the Medina one. I think the, the national website is easier to register on. And then also, you know, day of, we'll be on, we'll be on the square, you know, starting at 7 in the morning. The, ra- the, the run starts or walk starts at 8. And then, of course, we have a, uh, you know, a, a formal um, uh, presentation at the beginning. We actually have uh, a, um, a widow uh, who uh, received or actually had her home paid off in uh, central Ohio. She'll speak. We have a firefighter from New York City who will speak, and then and then we start the run. So it's it's a nice color guard by the uh, by the American Legion, and it is a, a nice couple of words by some people that. Uh, again, I, I I mentioned Ohio being a recipient of a lot of uh, benefits from Tunnel to Towers. You're actually you know not only are you running and walking and, and thinking about first responders that day, you're with them that day, uh, you're supporting them on a national level. You're also Shoulder to shoulder with people that have received uh, homes, uh, people that have that are there's there's a a couple of uh, veterans that'll be there that have received homes as well. I mean that you're you're with you're with the people uh, that day that are receiving what you're doing for them. That is um, that is wonderful, and and what a great way! What a great inspiration to do what you do to uh, you know to run, to walk, to donate in whatever way that you can, knowing you know these are the real people. It's your money isn't going into a nameless, faceless right. kitty somewhere. Look, these are the people that have benefited from it. Benefited from it. So that's uh, that's so important. Um, hey, Chris, um, if people can't run, they can't walk, they can't be there, but they still want to help. They can do that, right? They can donate just uh, uh, to T two T. I don't know. If yes. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, there is a, uh, you know, they, they have a $11 a month program that they can donate, and um, that's all on the website as well. But that is a monthly contribution that just comes, you know, straight to the foundation from you, and they have an automatic payment set up for you, and uh, just comes right out. So uh, a nice way to, to donate. And, again, the charity, you know, Bob, and you, you and I have talked about this before. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that, uh, you know, these these brothers of Stevens started. They you know, 99% of the money goes to help people. They, this is not something where they are getting rich off of this. Uh, no, no, nobody's taking money from it except it's going right to where it belongs to. So, well, they, and that's uh, that's a really great thing to know. And I know there's a lot of very important people who have been a part of this who ensure that every dollar is spent exactly the way it's supposed to. I mean, there's a nominal cost just for running things, obviously, just to pay bills. But certainly, as you say, nobody is taking salaries and, and getting rich off of this. This is all about service and all about helping people, rather, who have provided service to so many. Yeah. So um, I've got the... Um, 
Medina site link to my webpage at alwayswrite.us. People can go right there and click it. It'll take you to the Medina page. And uh, for registration purposes, there's a link right there as well. If you go to that page, the tunnel2towersmedina.org, that I have linked up to my webpage, there's a uh, there's literally a link that says click here to register. So you don't have to remember the other site as well. It'll take you right to the T2T site as well. By okay. Click here to register. It's right there on the home page. Uh, there are also, by the way, a number of tabs on that page in which you can learn, learn a little bit more about Stephen Siller and his story. Uh, Remembering Ohio Heroes is there as well. Um, uh, donation links and everything else. So it's all right there. Just go to uh, my webpage at alwayswrite.us, and you'll see the link right underneath Chris DeRico's name to the Medina page for Tunnel to Towers. And hopefully you can join in that run. And if you can't on Sunday, maybe you can support it in another way, and there are plenty of options there. Chris DeRico, I appreciate everything you do and everybody at uh, T2T does uh, nationally and locally for uh, first responders and our heroes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and shining a light on it for us. Thanks, Bob, and thank you for never forgetting because it's a very powerful thank you. Thank you, my friend. God bless. All right, 953. Um, this is our special 911 commemoration show. But as I said, we are not doing uh, the entire show. It's a little more awkward, to be quite frank with you, than it is doing it on the day of. It's certainly a lot more impactful, a lot more emotional when we do this commemorative show every year on 911. But when it falls on a weekend like this, then we. We do what we can, and today is our last live show before the actual 21st anniversary of that day on Sunday. So as such, we're kind of blending the commemorative show that I do every year with the actual show today, and there is news to be discussed. Uh, Coming up in about uh, 15 minutes or so, at the top of the second hour, uh, we're going to be talking to John O'Connor, who is a former U.S. attorney, uh, who is the attorney, by the way, who represented Deep Throat. He's got a new book out. Uh, We're going to talk to him about some matters of national importance, including the unconstitutional student loan forgiveness scam. That's coming up at uh, 1010. At 1035, we're going to talk to Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative. She has 9-11 memories that she is going to share with us. And we'll also talk to her about some current events here in Ohio as well. So uh, we're kind of blending the 9-11 commemorative show today with our regular update on current events and news glad to have you aboard always right radio on am 1420 the answer you and i have a rendezvous with destiny we'll preserve for our children this the last best hope of man on earth or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Onward. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock now on this Friday, the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2022. We'll come back to more of our commemorative 9-11 discussions uh, here in just a bit. Christina Hagan will join me at the bottom of the hour. She is a former Ohio State representative, current member of the Ohio Elections Commission. A lot of news to get to today that is current in addition to our look back. Thanks to Chris DeRico, Tunnel to Towers Medina. Again, that link is on my webpage, alwayswrite.us. You can find that link right there so that you can join to 
uh, be a part of the Tunnel to Towers run or walk on Sunday, the 21st anniversary of 9-11. So thanks to Chris for sharing uh, that with us and for joining us every year that we promote this in order to uh, help support first responders who are in great need. Um, want to come current now and talk a little bit about, well, kind of current, but it's kind of looking back at the past as well. But I want to talk about a current event, and I'm going to talk about a current guest, about something that is not 9-11 related, but uh, just as impactful, perhaps, uh, on the uh, history of the U.S. United States government, uh, Watergate. Uh, there's a new book out, Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. And that last part, I think, that is as impactful as anything that we have seen in the last uh, several decades. Today's partisan advocacy journalism. The author is John O'Connor, who is the attorney who represented Deep Throat. Uh, he joins us now to talk about that and much more on AM 1420, The Answer. John, good to have you on the program this morning. How are you, sir? Hey, good to be with you, Bob. So uh, before we get started in talking about the book and talking a little bit about um, uh, current events as they are, I think, uh, related to today's partisan journalism, um, every year for the last 20 years I've been doing radio um, on uh, on 9-11. I do a little commemoration and uh, try to remind everybody of what we said at the time that we would never forget. And I ask, I've made it a habit of asking every guest for just a moment or two of reflection on um how your life and how the world changed on 9-11, if you would like to uh, participate. Well, I would. And let me just say this. On my site, this is I'm not doing this to show for my book, but I have a, a book site called postgatebook.com. Mm-hmm. And on that site, I post all my articles that I wrote. Most of them are recent. Most of them are about things like Russiagate and all that stuff. Okay. But if you go back to the very first one I've posted, it's gonna, you have to go back a few pages to one I posted in 2004. I wrote a an analysis of the 9-11 report. And for anyone that is interested in what the real causes of 9-11 were that were not really reported to us, and I, this is my big thing, this is partisan advocacy journalism. Um, the, the press did not want to say Bush was right to go into Iraq. Now, should he have stayed in Iraq? That's another question. I think right. he should have gotten in and gotten out. But, but, we know that now. But, look that my article, and it's all factual, about what wasn't said in that uh, report or what was said and buried, and you will see that behind that attack was Saddam Hussein. Now, I'm not making this up. It's not nonsense. If you read the article and you'll see everything in there is factual, and yet we were not told that. And, And all this came to light really after the war started and we really saw what happened but the uh democrats on the 9-11 commission and remember that the the chairman of the 9-11 commission thomas kane said he's not going to publish anything unless everybody in the committee agrees to well the republican guys later on said well i think it was much stronger saddam's presence much stronger but we couldn't say it because we couldn't get agreement so he came up with some so i explain everything in this article just for your readers but let me tell you this my memory is this bob i was upset when it happened i was not surprised and i told my wife watch everybody's going to be surprised at this we knew this was coming we knew it was coming we didn't do anything about it we knew about the coal got blasted we had all sorts of indications from both al-qaeda on the one hand and from uh saddam on the other 
that something was coming, that uh, uh, Iraq was chafing at the bit because we still had our no-fly zones over Iraq, and Saddam was trying to get out of them. And he was doing everything he could, and this was his way of getting out. If you look at the fatwa, where uh, Osama's group uh, talks about why they are having this uh, fatwa against the United States, six mentions in there are about the United States uh, doing this thing in Iraq. Now, that fatwa was not written uh, by, uh, <laughs> by Osama. There's some little birdie over in Iraq that was doing it. And then the, 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 the connections are very close. So I just want to tell everybody that this will go down in history. People will write the history the wrong way, but this is right there. And so I just encourage people to look at my article. It's, it, it's, it's a pretty good enough, if I say so myself. It covers the whole, what in a, in a summary fashion, uh, of what happened and what we should look at. But in any case, it is something that we should not forget because Every time, Americans always have a tendency to think that we can just burrow in and ignore the rest of the world. I'm not for ridiculous interventions around the world and expensive nation-building. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think we should care about whether another country is an autocracy or a democracy. But I do think we still have to be vigilant, and we have to look at what's going on. And I don't think, by the way, that... The Biden administration, I think they're corrupted as to China. And right now, and as I predicted, they're not going to give aid to Taiwan that they want, just as they didn't send MiGs over to uh, Ukraine when it would have really helped. Um, but but certainly as to Taiwan, they're clearly compromised. Uh, the Chinese have the Bidens over a barrel. They know they've been paying them uh, through the nose for exactly this reason. So now he's president, and he's not going to lift a finger. Now, I think a strong president, I'm not suggesting once China invades that we, that we get the war with China, but I think we can do a lot to keep China from invading. They're not going to do something if they think they're going to get a strong pushback from us, and, and we can sort of hold them off, back them off. But if they go in there on, as to Taiwan, goodbye chip manufacturing. They, Taiwan is the dominant player in the chip market in the world, and we can't go to the grocery store without chips. Uh, we can't drive a car. We can't have a phone. All of our appliances rely on chips, and these guys, all our, all our home uh, gizmos are, are powered by chips, and these guys are the chip manufacturers of the world, among other things. I and mean, that's not the only reason we should be worried, but... Uh, hegemony of by China in the South China Sea is a very scary process because someday <laughs> they're going to be right on top of us. We are talking to John O'Connor, uh, an attorney and uh, who was the attorney for Deep Throat. And um, you've, you've hit so many things there in the open. I, I kind of have so many things. I, I brought you on to talk about the unconstitutionality of student loan debt forgiveness. <laughs> and here we are on Saddam Hussein and, and the root cause of 9-11. First of all, and, and I, I want to talk about chips. I want to talk about how, what the intent of that might be, by the way, if we don't defend Taiwan and if we don't do enough to deter uh, that invasion of Taiwan because they want to eliminate uh, 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 gasoline-powered cars anyway. I, there's so many different avenues to travel here. But I want to go back to because you uh, I want to read your 2004 article. What, what's the website? Well, it's postgatebook.com. All one word, postgatebook.com. 
And then, like I said, I have probably have 50 or 60 articles I've done, mainly since 2017 when this whole thing started with Russiagate. But I decided, what the heck, I might as well post this thing I did back in 2004. It's of interest. And so the very last one that I've posted, or the very first one, as it were, uh, was my 2004 article that I published in a legal newspaper in California. I'm glad to know that. I want to read that now. I'm looking at the website, so that's good. So obviously you can get the book there, too, at postgatebook.com, postgatebook.com. Uh, I also have the Amazon link up on my webpage at alwayswrite.us so people can see this and a place to order the book, Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. But I do want to read that article about Saddam and uh, and uh, your your commentary on the 9-11 Commission's report. So I'll definitely do that. But But back to <clears throat> the current event. That you're talking about now with China, uh, and, and our fealty almost to China. It's, it's, it's kind of bizarre. You've got California. I know you're in the Bay Area. The, the, uh, uh, the California, uh, announcement that no one can purchase a gasoline powered vehicle or internal combustion engine vehicle after the year 2035 or, or, or in 2035, um, is this massive push to electric vehicles. Um, which is going to make us even more beholden to China because we do not have the core ingredients that are necessary to be mined to build millions upon millions upon millions of electric car batteries here in North America. We have to. We're, we're going to have to, uh, uh, you know, engage with the Chinese and and essentially be at their mercy in terms of what we are allowed to take from them. Lith- you know, the core ingredients, you know, lithium, mang- manganese, and, and cobalt, and other things are simply not uh, in abundance in North America. They are in Asia. And they are in um, in uh, Africa as well. We are going to be more beholden than ever. So when you say if we don't do something to deter or dissuade China from invading Taiwan, I'm not saying we go to war with them, but if we don't do something to try to stop it in advance, you know, you talk about the chip manufacturing. You're 100 percent right. Those chips are the reasons and the unavailability of them are why so many car lots are sitting empty all across this country right now and why used cars are up 40 to 50 percent in inflated prices because you can't find new ones uh in 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 terms of uh, large stock and supply is it related john o'connor in your opinion this uh uh this situation with taiwan and then the the elimination of the chip and thus the elimination potentially of of the availability of gas cars we're going to have to buy the electric ones well yeah and and, and certainly related in the future and even right now of course the supply chain is all messed up mm-hmm. and and some of that is nobody's fault but but china's a big part of it um but yes uh, the the whole idea that we would this started back with the Clintons. Remember, Bill Clinton sold missile technology from Loral Company, one of his last acts, and they got a bunch of money and they sold it to China, which it was a military secret. And we give them our missile guidance technology. We also sold them uh, some supercomputer uh, technology that helps in so many different things. Uh, uh, military aspects and i don't know them all but apparently it was a very very important sale so here we are we sell that stuff to the chinese now obama gets in office and he takes the responsibility for overseeing china trade what we will sell to china and what we won't he 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 gives that from the white house where it should be because of the sensitivity of the stuff that they want 
and send it to the Commerce Department. Well, the Commerce Department's got a lot of, you know, businessmen. I don't blame them. They want to make a profit. They want to sell their technology to China. So guess what's been happening? Under the radar, we've been selling all kinds of technology to China. They are wonderful at reproducing things, at copying things. Copying things. They are not good at inventing things. They are not good at being entrepreneurs. That's not their deal. And yet we have given them all the fruits of our wonderful free society so that we can risk our free society. It's that simple. And so some of this starts out with corruption. Now, of course, then the corruption is taken to a... Oh, and let me detour and say that the Clintons then, in Skolkovo, the new uh, Russian uh, Silicon Valley, the Defense Department objected to what Hillary was doing there because they were saying... We are giving now overtly to the Russians that which they always wanted uh, covertly and tried to get this really sensitive technology. So she gave a lot of technology to Russian, Russia then and got a lot of contributions. Then she sells our uranium for somewhere between 150 to 350 million. It's, uh, it's uh, in contributions to the Clinton Foundation uh, to, to sell our uranium. Now, now Putin has pricing power throughout the world on this uh, on uranium, and if we really ever got into it, uh, this would be this would be terrible. If we really if we really went into nuclear war, also, if we really want to clean up the environment, the very best, the very least emitting uh, power source is nuclear. But we, do we have a, a dependable supply of uranium? I don't think so. My point is. The corruption of these folks is is we have to live with it, and we're living with it today. And and our and this is where I my my problem with the media, we have a compliant lapdog major media that does not yell and scream about this. But but Bob, look at it this way. Remember this: Trump has the Saudis coming in, and he's going to have them stay at one of his hotels because he's proud of his hotels. What, what does the media do? Oh, Trump's trying to make money off of the Saudis. Oh, yeah. I mean, Trump's going to probably make, at the end of the day, uh, $18.22 for the Saudis staying there as opposed to Joe Blow from Kokomo. Um, and, uh, and, and yet the media exoriates him but stays silent while, while Hillary sells out to the Russians, her husband sells out to the Chinese, Obama sells out to the Chinese. Mm -hmm. Now Biden's selling out to the Chinese. I'm not making this up. No, no, definitely not. And all of that is very, very well said. And all of that I hope people are paying attention to. We're talking to John O'Connor, who is uh, an attorney, a former U.S. attorney, uh, now working in private practice in California. He's uh, well known as the attorney for Deep Throat, uh, as well as the author of this latest book, Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. I want to ask you just about the book in closing here. We're a little short on time because we got into some other things. We chased a few uh, squirrels up trees. By the way, um, the, 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 mm -hmm. the, the loan program is unconstitutional. We'll just get rid of that. But then anyway, we'll go talk ahead, Bob. And we'll talk about yeah. that another time. I'd love to have you back on to talk more about that, because that's not going away anytime soon, that issue of the student loan forgiveness. Uh, but but I want to hit the book at least from 30,000 feet. I want to talk about the last part of the title, uh, Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. Tell me how the Washington Post is so responsible for that. Well, first of all, it did false reporting in Watergate, and I talk about that in my new book, Mysteries of Watergate, which is a beach read. But here's the deal. Once you say 
that you are going to be an investigative journalist, every and everyone flocks to law school. Why? To change the world, because they saw this as Woodward and Bernstein changing the world. If you change the world, if your reporting is for political impact, then you put on a jersey. You're not here to say, to, to, to call a tie at the end of the game. You're there to get a scalp. And the scalp, unfortunately, skews about 90% uh, liberal versus conservatives. Conservatives usually don't go into investigative journalism. So what's happened is that reporting has been more and more decidedly partisan to the extent that today about 70% of journalists don't think they have to tell both sides of, of, of a question. So what we get is we get reporting that is nothing more than a, 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 an outpost of a campaign, an organ, an, uh, an official organ of the Democratic Party and about progressives generally, not moderate Democrat politics, but extreme. And that's what we have today, all because of Watergate. It came from that. Now, nobody knew, but here's my point, Bob. If you go into court and you're trying to win a case and you don't have an opponent, are you going to tell the jury everything? No. I could get a verdict all day, whether defense or offense, if I'm the only guy in court. But if you have an opponent, you've got to get honest and tell both sides and really deal honestly with the issues. And we don't have that today. These folks are out there saying whatever they want, and there's nobody to challenge them because there isn't really a strong pushback in the legacy media. Uh, all we've got maybe in, uh, is, is, is Fox News, which does very well, uh, but, but in terms of a newspaper, in terms of outlets, right. still so strongly biased in terms of progressives. Luckily, we have the more populist and the more uh, market-driven notions of local radio, in which local radio dies if, it, if, it, if it's ridiculous. And so local radio is thriving, thank God. But in terms of an overall national presence, uh, this is what's happened because of Watergate. Wow. Phenomenal explanation. And by the way, for a second there, I wasn't sure if you were talking about uh, media or the 9-11 Commission. Or, um, excuse me, not the 9-11 Commission. beg your pardon. The January 6th uh, Select Committee. Because that's exactly... Well, you, you, said, you said a courtroom with only one side being allowed to present, and that's what we have. Nine prosecutors, zero defense attorneys on the January 6th Commission, all trying Donald Trump. That's what's happening. Yeah, Bob, you said it beautifully. It's nine people... They're the only people in court saying it. And then guess what? It is the echo chamber is the media that reports that trial. There so you go. we not only have a biased hearing, we have a biased press. Why isn't anybody pushing back and saying, oh, gosh, they didn't put in the evidence. That they, 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 they edited all these films because there's another side to January 6th. I don't think, I don't like the guys that were really thugs, but come on now. I mean... But there were a very, very tiny handful of them that were actually thuggish. Everybody else that's been pinned in this whole thing is, uh, you know, they were just tourists taking pictures and leaving. Uh, I mean, I don't, we don't right, have time for that. Right, exactly. Now. John O'Connor's exactly. book is Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. That is exactly what it is. He's also the host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast. You should look for that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, John O'Connor, we'll talk student loans another day, but I really appreciate you coming on. Bob, this has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's uh, 1028. We'll take a timeout and go to news. And we'll come back with Christina Hagan on AM 1420, The Answer. Oh, mama, when you give your love. 
Miss something you want to hear? Check out the Always Right Radio podcast anytime at whkradio.com. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob Friends on The Answer. We, we heard it, and because and, I was just, like, standing there pretty much looking out the window, I didn't see what caused it or if there was an impact. So you have no idea right, right oh, now? Oh, there's another one. Another plane just hit. <gasps> right. oh. oh, my God. Another plane has just hit. It hit another building. Oh. Flew right into the middle of it. <gasps> Explosion. Oh my God, it's right in the middle of the building. This one into the east tower. Yes. Yes. Right in the middle of the building. And right now, that, yes, that was definitely looked like it was on purpose. Take two. Take two and two, one. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. It collapsed. The top floors collapsed down. I saw it blow, blow and then ran like hell. Thank God. I'm 69, but I can still run. <laughs> There's got to be fireman trapped back there, though. When the chief said the tower came down, I didn't think he meant the entire Twin Towers. There are big radio towers on the top. And I thought those towers had come down and hit our building. The 10-second collapse instantly kills hundreds of civilians and emergency personnel. With this loud, this loud thunder, we looked up and the, the top of the, half of the building was actually coming down like dominoes and it just fell over to the left. And everybody started running. It was, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. It was our nightmare, it was our national nightmare, and it's one that I hope you relive every year at this time. And I mean that. I hope you have nightmares about it, because you should. If you do, that means you are keeping your promise, you're keeping your vow to never forget. Uh, And that is literally what we must do. If we are ever, ever to have a chance of avoiding something like this again, we must be vigilant in knowing exactly what happened, why it happened, how it happened, and how we felt when it happened. This is uh, the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022, as you know. And I tell you that at the top of every hour, I just remind you now, because this is why we're doing a bit of a separate, uh, outside of our news cycle conversations that we're having this morning, 9-11 commemoration. I like to do it live on 9-11. I've been doing it for the last 20 years on radio. Uh, But today is the last day before the actual anniversary of it, this Sunday. And that's the reason we're talking about it. We're reliving it. We're um, sharing our experiences with it, and I'm asking every guest that I have on the program to do the same thing. And that's why I want to bring in Christina Higgin now. She's our regular Friday commentator on usually the news of the day, and we will do that. But uh, I asked her yesterday when we uh, when we contacted one another about today's program if she would be interested in discussing her memories and experiences and um, and what it means to her today, 21 years later, and she said she would. So, Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, current member of the Ohio Elections Commission, thank you for uh, coming on, as you always do. How are you this morning? 
You know, I'm sitting here um, this morning in reflection, Bob. I listened to the clips that you shared and um, made intention here to pull up imagery from that date. And as you know, um, it was many years ago, yet when you hear those clips, when you close your eyes and remember what it was like to be in complete terror and fear of what was next and to just realize the complete unknown, you recognize our need to draw near in prayer to God and to appreciate the strength of our country, the resilience of our country, and the ability to endure against great evil. And um, honestly, I, I it feels as real today as it did then. And it makes me think about the things that have been compared to it that are trivial in nature. It makes me think about um, who I was at the moment that that terrorist attack occurred on our nation. And I was just a young girl. I was in middle school. I was learning, you know, pursuing my education. And I'll never forget, I was sitting there in Mrs. Bruby's class. She was one of my favorite teachers in the world, just a sweet, wonderful woman. And the TV was actually on, and we saw the first. And then, um, of course, everyone was just in shock. And then the second, and we were confused. And, you know, to be 12 years old and to see that type of attack, I don't know that we could really truly understand or comprehend the magnitude of what was happening to the greatest country on earth and just the severe threat to all of us. But I'll never forget the terror um, in my mother's voice and eyes as she came into the school, pulled me out of the school. My father was actually serving in the state legislature at that time and um, only in his first term, and we were new to that level of public service, but my father was at a place that very well could have been a target um, to those who wish to destroy our way of life and our representation. And, you know, he was sitting in his office watching that on a small black and white TV. Uh, we were watching it from home, and we were hours apart and not knowing if we'd ever see each other again after what we saw on TV that day. And I'll never forget my mom coming to the school and pulling me out. And I even thought as a 12-year-old girl, she's overreacting. This isn't isolated. What's going on? You know, we don't really know the magnitude of this. But her heart, as any mother's heart should, was concerned for the safety of all citizenry across the entire country. And she pulled us out of school that day, took us to the home, and we immediately were in prayer and just on our knees praying to God for the safety of all Americans. It's it's heartbreaking to think about, um, but I do think about the great valor of all of those firefighters, the policemen, the leadership in New York that day, the just the mayor, um, just the legacies of those who stood against evil. And I, even my oldest brother, um, his commitment to being a firefighter and be willing and wanting to go and serve in that area if there was area of need. He was just young himself. Uh, nine years older than me in his early 20s and wanting and willing to go. And I think it just showed the heart and character of who our country is and what we would never allow to be the end or the defeat of our country. And so I just pray that um, knowing what we went through, what we experienced, that Americans would take this seriously, that our government would take this seriously. It's heartbreaking to me to know that our homeland security has not um, taken our national security to heart in the way that we should after such severe attacks. Um, there was in our recommendations from the 9-11 Commission that should be implemented, and I am prayerful that we will always put our citizenry first and the protection of our people first in memory of those who lost their lives that day. Um, so just 
reflecting on it and thankful for my life, thankful for the lives of my family, thankful for the lives of the survivors and for their families and just heartbroken that they never um, get to see their family members again because of such cruel acts. Uh, Christina Hagen, I join you in that prayer, by the way, uh, and I and I share your 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 thoughts there about you know implementing certain uh, aspects. Um, I, I, over the years, in the last twenty years, like I said, I literally every year I have done a nine eleven commemoration show, even when I was doing sports radio back in the uh, early part of this uh, century, uh, which is what I was doing on nine eleven, two thousand one. I don't recall hearing as I take calls from listeners and ask them for their memories and their, you know, their their thoughts like you just provided. I don't know that I would talk to too many people, if any, that I can recall who were in school at the time, uh, which you were. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of going to use that to um, segue into the current event of the day, um, which is I want to ask you about our schools you and i plan to talk about title nine um there's only a couple of days left of public comment proposed changes to title nine which will impact our kids at schools and this is largely a response to the woke public schools um you know that are trying to change uh, our culture and are trying to drag children into an overly sexualized uh version of of, of education uh, in which they are being sexualized so that they can then uh, discuss their own sexuality and their own sexual proclivities and whether or not they feel male or female and all the rest of that nonsense. So I'm going to kind of merge these two things together. And before you talk about Title IX, Christina, I'm going to ask you this. Since you were in school on 9-11, if 9-11 were to happen today, in today's woke public schools. It was not the same in 2001. And I'm not saying there weren't problems. Particularly in higher education, there were. But but I don't think to the level that we now have K through 12 indoctrination happening, um, I don't think I don't think it was that way in 2001. So if 9-11 were to happen today, how do you think your teachers, how do you think the public schools would handle this? You know, I like to think um, not in my backyard would it be different, but you never know because the indoctrination and just the pervasiveness of all of these attacks on our identity, both biologically and our faith identities, our patriotism, all of that has been under consistent attack over the last um, several decades, but intensely over the last decade. And so I think the fact that this undermining is perpetually occurring, it would it would likely look very different. I mean, children um, in many schools, not all, but in many, are being taught to loathe our country um, and to think that our country is an oppressive, negative, um, dirty, evil place. And, you know, we see sort of witness to that attack on even the queen who passed, you know, that the um, academia world calling her a colonizer and trying to paint this horrible picture of a woman who chose to honor country and Christ, and not in that order, actually, Christ and then country, and called on God to give her the wisdom and guidance to lead her people, and for her to then have this brush painted over her that she was this evil, nasty horrible colonizer, terrible human being. That is the same thing that's happening in the West. Um, We're being perpetually painted as a terrible place to live and almost creating shame and guilt in our children, both for their their color or their um, natural sexual identity. So I think it would look very different, sadly. 
um, the same love of self and the same love of country are not only being taught but rejected. So I think about this um, Title IX, and I just uh, I I did with my family this morning. I reached out to them and asked them, um, please comment, please please write in, please share your personal thoughts and distaste with this action. You know, these rules have been reversed for um, serious opposition to the rules in the past, so we can't ever sacrifice our voice in standing up for what we believe and know to be true, um, because certainly the eroding and undermining of what it means to be a woman, um, protections for our little girls and for women to fight against this continual woke agenda, is it's important. Um, and it's part of our calling and that we should take it very seriously to submit our comments. And I just want to direct people towards um, heritage.com. They have an excellent toolkit that helps people understand. Sometimes I think people look at this and they think it's bigger than me. Um, it's not bigger than you. Every single one of us has a responsibility as a patriot, as an American, as a parent, as a sister, daughter, or mother, or father, um, and across the board to protect what is good about our society that has made us a leader um, through the duration of our country's existence. And if we don't protect that, then the moral and economic demise of this country will mean that this victory that America has been will be short-lived. So I I even look at just some of the aspects of this. Um, and Heritage, again, has this excellent toolkit that helps people to understand different facets of this and how it's going to really impact women and education. And I look at this. Women will lose out on scholarships resulting in lost educational career opportunities. And most people think, oh, it might be a challenge while they're in school. But if you think about this, this new rule will allow biological men to rob women of not just their trophies, but their scholarships, too. If you think about that, that impacts even corporate boardrooms. You know, we've got, we had for a long time this feminist movement that wanted women on boards and quotas of women on boards. But the natural ability for a woman to compete and succeed is being undermined as we speak in this country. And one study revealed that 94% of senior, senior female executives played competitive sports at one time. So that tells me we're not even going to have the opportunities that we once had to enter college in the same way that we did to be competitive, to be achieving, because it's going to be perpetually undermined until there's this just nothingness and emptiness left in society that nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows what their purpose is. They don't want men to be leaders, and they don't want women to be leaders. They don't want anyone to be a leader. They want the entire society to be perpetually confused and counting on the government to be their parent and where they run for every resource and every support. This is a serious attack on our way of life, and we should take it seriously in that same fashion. I mean, abortion legalization from activist judges is on the line. Um, redefining our daughter's and son's identities is on the line right before us. So we need to comment today and have everyone we know comment in the same fashion. Uh, very, very well said, and I think very important. And to the initial question there, you know, about how the schools would cover 9-11 if it happened today, I completely concur. There would be such a massive, because of the woke public schools and all of the um, – and I'm sorry, I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry when I say the number of freaks that have uh, somehow invaded the schools. And uh, the, the reason I call them freaks is because they put themselves online doing videos of them being freaks. Um, and these are kids or people who are in charge of our kids. And I think you're exactly right. I think the message would be we brought it on ourselves. The United States is being paid back for all of its evil. And there was some of this in, in certain quarters, but not in the schools in 2001 and 2002 and in the initial reaction period. 
Um, but I think today's America is evil. America has been irredeemably racist. It has been this. It has been that. There would probably be finger pointing saying these were probably Trump supporters, the terrorists who would do these kinds of things, who are behind this. There would be all of this horrific anti-Americanism going on as opposed to patriotism, which I think we largely uh, did, you know, kind of circle the wagons in support of uh, back then. It would be very, very different in our woke public schools today if um, our teachers were forced to discuss uh, what happened uh, with the students. And uh, so I'm very, very hopeful that we never have to deal with that ever again, for obvious reasons, but, but also so that uh, the, 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 the educators in our, in our society don't get an opportunity to use this to foment more hatred for the country. Go ahead, Christina. I was just going to say it's exactly right. I mean, we think about who the heroes were that day, mm-hmm. and just two years ago, a year ago, those same people were demonized for doing their role in society to put their life on the line to That's protect right. us. And it's it's just so alarming to see that complete contrast. And even talking to my brother um, as he was preparing to do an honor flight, which he was just full of pride to do and joy to do and the opportunity to serve somebody who has served us so well. And even in speaking with him briefly just about the need for firefighters, you know, he said, yeah, I mean, people hate us in our profession. I'm like, how can you hate a firefighter? You know, it's like, how how can our firefighters and policemen at large be hated? It makes virtually no sense to me, but I guess we're still standing on our faith. We're still standing on um, sanity and truth. You know, we have a firm foundation in God, and culture is on shifting sands, and they're believing craziness. Um, there really is no basis for what makes sense other than who is um, manipulating and indoctrinating them to believe something with baseless um, facts. Uh, I just, I pray for our country. I pray for the future of our country. And I I feel blessed that I have the opportunity to pour into my children and teach them what is good and true and right about what the Lord has blessed us with here in America. Amen to that. And I'll end our conversation this morning, Christina, by uh, echoing what you just said. We need people to make public comment. The more people that make public comment on the issue of Title IX and the proposed changes, uh, the longer it will take them to sift through them. They have to consider them. And who knows, maybe they will consider the political consequences of changing Title IX um, in order to suit their woke agenda if they knows it's going to cost them potentially uh, their elected offices. So people need to do that. I have a link to it on alwaysright.us. It's right there near the top of the page, a place to click to go to the public comment section where you can tell the government how you feel about changing um, everything in our schools and putting girls in jeopardy uh, by, uh, by, by literally changing the protections that they have had for the last 50 years under Title IX. Christina Hagan, uh, former state representative, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your reflections, and I join you in the prayers uh, that you're saying for our country right now. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob. God bless. And you as well. 1056, time out. Top of the hour news coming up. We'll come back. And hour number three is going to be wide open. We do not have a week in review today. I, I wanted to spend more time on 9-11 reflections, and uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But this time, rather than sharing mine, I want to hear yours. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. You can talk about that day as you remember it. You can talk about what it means today. And maybe you can answer the hypothetical I just asked, uh, covered with Christina. What do you think would happen in our schools today if 9-11 happened now? I think it would be a very, very different environment. We'll continue after the news on AM 1420, The Answer.
This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number three is underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock on this Friday, the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thank you very much for uh, being with us. Um, if you missed the uh, first hour of the show, um, I'm not going to play the audio clip that I played then. Uh, it's... It's just, you know, it's emotional. That's why I played it in the first time, but I just don't want to do it because of the sake of redundancy here. Um, you can go back and and listen to it, um, uh, you know, on the podcast page after the show. And we'll probably post it and uh, my opening monologue of um, memories and feelings and emotions uh, from uh, from 9-11-2001. We'll, we'll post that separately also on alwaysright.us um but i do want to i do want to restart the discussion <clears throat> for the last hour of the program and i want it to be yours more than it is mine i've i've given about all that i have i think in you know that you probably want to hear uh from my reflections of 911 uh but but now i need to hear yours uh, i heard christina hagens i heard john o'connor's you've heard mine and now i want to hear yours if you're just turning the radio on, um, and if you're relatively new to my program and what I do, um, I literally, for the last 20 years, since you know September 11, 2002, the first anniversary uh, of 9-11, um, I've done a, a 9-11 radio commemoration of the, the events of that day. Um, the first couple were probably filled with more anger. Uh, because it was still fresh, the wounds were still fresh. Um, as time has gone on through the years, you know, some of that anger has still remained. Some of it has subsided, and it has turned to uh, analysis. Uh, it has turned to an understanding and education of what cause causes there were, um, the specific, you know, uh, motivations of the individuals involved. Uh, preparations that that may have been made and should have been made that could have stopped such a thing. All of those things have gone on over the course of the last, like I said, 20 years. But this is my literally 20th anniversary of 9/11 that I've been doing uh, this commemoration. And uh, each year, I, I, you know, I get a little bit more reflective and a little bit maybe different reflection. Different reflection comes out than has come out in years past because I don't script these things. It's totally from the heart, from the mind, from the memory. 
Uh, and that's what I want to do with you, and I want to ask you now. The, the clip that I played, if you didn't hear it in hour number one, which, again, I'm not going to replay now. It's about three and a half minutes long, is um, from a documentary um, of the day uh, that focused, this particular section of the documentary focused on the jumpers, which became very, very impactful to me. Um, as you think about all of the victims of 9/11, those on planes, those in buildings, those on the ground, uh, those in you know the the plane that went uh, you know down in Shanksville that they forced down and and so forth, people in the Pentagon, all of the things that you think about and all the different victims. To me, what has just kind of risen to the forefront of my consciousness has been the the people hanging out the windows who were forced to either burn or jump, and um, and their stories are just um, remarkable. And the story of those who watched it happen from the ground and kept hearing the sounds, though those were just really, really impactful to me. So those are things that I think about that keep it alive in my head and in my heart, which is, I think, what our goal should be our call at the time our our pledge our oath was never forget never forget never forget and i fear that over the course of 20 years some people have already lost that that pledge they've already given up they've already abandoned that vow they've already they've already forgotten and they're like oh yeah 911 it, it's going to happen through time Time is going to go by, and people who were alive who witnessed it uh, are going to die. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be relegated to a footnote in history, maybe not a footnote, but but you understand the point that very few people who were alive and aware in 1941 of the significance and the impact of Pearl Harbor um, can recall all of that with the clarity today that they could in the in the first 20 years after. You know, by 1951, by 1961, by 1971, by 1981, 40 years after Pearl Harbor, um, you know, you, you started to have people just like, oh, it's Pearl Harbor Day, and they move on. And now 1991 has gone by, and 2001, and 2011, 2001. You understand the point? There's going to come a time where 9 11 is relegated to, oh, wow, I can't believe it's been uh, 30 years. Oh, I can't believe it's been 40 years. It's been 50 years. And, and 9-11 is, you know, it, it, the anniversary is here again. And people who were alive and alert and aware and impacted by it are going are gonna to die off, which we all do. And uh, eventually the, uh, the, the oath to never forget is going gonna, is gonna to fall by the wayside. But I'll tell you this, as long as I have a microphone and a platform... Um, it will last, and that that pledge that we took, that vow to never forget, uh, it will not it will not have that it will not be violated on my watch. I will do everything I can to continue to play clips, to uh, share memories, to ask people who were very close to people who were victims in those situations to come on the radio with me, and so forth. I'll do everything I can to make sure that this is never forgotten because it's so impactful. It was so impact impactful. Excuse me on my life and on the life of this country and quite frankly in the world that it should uh, it should always be treated as such so that's the reason we're doing this obviously today is not 9-11 it's sunday so we just did the show this morning in such a way to do our commemoration because that's the way it works uh, next year it will fall on a monday and we will do it live on the radio on monday september 11 2023 uh, I can promise you that. But for today, this is as close as we can get. So I want to invite you at 216 901 888 281 1110 
bring me your memories. Bring me your declaration of the impact it had on you. What is the most, uh, uh, how do I want to phrase that? What comes to your mind first when you start thinking about 9-11? And I'll give you an example, by the way. No joke. On Sunday, uh, my wife and I went to the air show at Burke. And um, thank you, by the way, to the good folks at uh, Discount Drug Mart, our partners. I absolutely love them. Such good people. Thanks to Donna Michelle Bouger, among others. Uh, they hosted us in, uh, in their, their tent loge, if you will, and uh, we just had a, an amazing experience watching the incredible aerial acrobatics and the precision and the, uh, to, the raw power and speed of these uh, you know fighter jets going by and, and all the other things that go along with the air show. But anyway, uh, I looked over at my wife. I can't help it. I cannot help it. I looked over at my wife as one of the fighter jets came roaring by, and I think they set it around 515 miles an hour. And it's so funny, and it's so, not funny, haha, but I mean, just so so bizarre how it'll zoom by you, and you're like, that wasn't bad. And then the roar of the jet engines trailing the plane come you know, and, and hit your ears. And then it's, and it's just, a, I mean, that's why they hand out free uh, airplugs, uh, earplugs, rather, uh, there in the, in the tents. Uh, because it's just, I mean, it's just literally overwhelming, the sound of that, the roar of the jet engine, sound waves coming and hitting you, following the plane, like two seconds behind. Um, it's just incredible. Anyway, I looked at my wife after the second or third pass of one of those, and I said, you know, that is roughly how fast the planes were going on uh, September 11th. Can you imagine as we watched these planes fly by at 500 miles an hour. And I think they determined the speed of the jets that hit the towers were at like 450 to 500 miles an hour, so it's in the ballpark. But I said, can you imagine now as you watch that plane fly by, now imagine the impact if it hit a building. And it just can't happen. You can't help it. I mean, it, again, if, if, if what happened on 9-11 was as impactful on you as I'm describing that it has been on me and I think others, you, you think about those things all the time. And like I've said before, every time I fly, I, I, I literally every time I fly, if I have a window seat, I'm, I'm doing the same thing, and I'm trying to see out the window to see if I can see in front. I can't, but I always try to see if I can see what's going on at the front, at the nose of the plane and where it's headed. Uh, not that I think something's going to happen, but I try to do that to put myself in the shoes or in the seats and in the fear and in the minds of those who were on those planes, those faded planes that day. So um, that's just the way that it works for me. Uh, so you can share those kind of stories and memories if you would, but also just uh, legitimately answer the question I asked Christina Hagen as well. How would it be covered today in today's woke, left-wing, indoctrinating public schools? If 9-11 happened today, what would they be telling children? Would they be trying to comfort the children? Would they be trying to defend our country? Or would they say, this is what happens when you live in an evil, uh, uh, imperialist country like the United States. People around the world uh, want to get us. And uh, you know what? We deserve it. This is what this country has brought upon itself. I wonder how they would cover it if it was live today. 216-901-0945, TJ's in Cleveland. Hi, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, Bob, I think the thing that affected me the most on 9-11 was the jumpers. You know, in the Army, I was a paratrooper. I jumped out of planes. And 
that terrified me. It even terrified me more than, than combat, I'll have to admit. And I couldn't imagine having a jump without a parachute. You know, I mean, uh, but that, I think, affected me the most. And, uh, you know, your guest, uh, uh, John O'Connor, mm-hmm. Bob, there was a book written years ago called uh, Dereliction of Duty. Mm-hmm. And this book was written by a, a Air Force colonel who carried the nuclear football for Bill Clinton. Now, your listeners that aren't aware of the nuclear football, this is an officer that they picked that's beyond approach. He carries the launch codes, nuclear launch codes, in a briefcase, and he's glued to the president. And he wrote a book about Bill Clinton and this Chinese connection. What Clinton did literally destroyed the security of our country with what he handed over to the Chinese. But uh, the the name of the book, I, I can't remember the author's name, but was Dereliction of Duty. And one other thing real quick, Bob, you were saying how people would act, react in schools. Yeah. We know how they'd react. We got these 9-11 truthers from back from 2001, and that galls me more than anything. These people, they dishonor the dead. They dishonor the families of the dead with their nonsense about, you know, the trade centers were taken down by G.W. Bush and the yeah, government. inside job yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's just plain disgusting. You know, like I said, how these people can do that. And and if it happened today, you would have them on steroids. You know, with... Uh, I, I, like, I think you, yeah. I mean, well, there still are. Many of them still are on steroids 21 years after the fact, and they still believe that. But the specifics to what I'm talking about now, though, are how teachers would cover it. Because in my view, teachers in 2022 are very, very, very different people than they were in 2001. And certainly much more different than they would would have been in 1991. Because more and more of the actual teachers who believed in education have retired and moved on. And they've been replaced in the classroom by you know, the millennial teachers, the millennial generation teachers who have been raised and who have been educated in the indoctrination center colleges to hate this country. And so many of the colleges and universities have indeed uh, taught uh, the students there that the United States is irredeemably racist and bad and evil and and so forth. Um, and that I, I I feel like those feelings of hatred and and disgust for our country that have been poured into their heads will would have been poured from their mouths into the ears of today's school children if this if those planes had hit buildings today i think they would be covered very very differently by the educators today than they were 21 years ago oh you're absolutely right bob they would be saying the same thing remember reverend wright They'd be saying the same thing. The chickens have chickens come, have home, come to home to roost. You got yeah, it. and that's what they'd be telling these kids. America deserves this. We're racist. We're this. We're that. Uh, and that's what they'd be forcing down our children's throat. I have no doubt that. And I'm not saying everyone. There's some really good teachers. Of but, course, you know uh, the ones that make the most noise. That's the ones that would be doing this to our the children. The woke teachers that are trying to sexualize kids and groom kids and tell kids to start taking puberty blockers and don't tell mom and dad, but I'll call you by the pronouns that that, that you want and uh, just feel free to express it and blah, 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 blah. Those teachers who have no earthly interest in what is true, uh, what is scientifically provable, and so on and so forth, those individuals would be the ones, if the towers were to, were to collapse today, that would be telling these kids, this is what happens because of... Donald Trump. This is what happens because of American imperialism. This is what happens because of Americans in, uh, you know, uh, um, 
trying to push themselves and their own views on the rest of the world. They would absolutely make us out to be the bad guys, something that did not happen on a wide scale in 19, or in uh, 2001, I think that's what you, you know, the only thing they wouldn't do this time, no, they wouldn't blame it on the government because they couldn't blame it on Joe Biden. That That's you know, true. I mean, well, well, no, but you know what they would do? Else, no, they they, you know. they would blame it on Trump. They would blame it on Trump yeah. if it happened yeah. under you know while Biden is president. They would first their first. I guarantee you, their first gut reaction wouldn't be Osama bin Laden. The first gut reaction would be Trumpists, yeah. uh, the the domestic terrorists, the Trump supporters, the MAGA ultra MAGA people or whatever did this because they're mad because Trump lost the election. That's what many of them would say. I kid you not, I have no doubt in my mind that would be their first thought. And after that, of course, was disproven and we figured out who they were, well, then they would go into the, well, Trump made made the rest of the world hate us. Do you see what Trump did to China? Did you see what Trump did to Iran by pulling out of the deal? Did you see what Trump did to Russia? And all of the things that Trump did to kind of put America first and... uh tick off some of our international enemies, they would say that is what led to this. They would absolutely blame Trump if Biden was still in office. Totally agree. I totally agree, Bob. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate the call. Let me squeeze Jenny and Elyria in real quick uh, before the bottom of the hour. Jenny, go right ahead. Hello, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. I worked in downtown Cleveland and worked for a company that had, uh, we had floors in one of the towers. We lost 19. Oh my. People in that building. Oh my. And they were the early risers. And one of the planes that landed in our building, a senior vice president was on that plane. And I was in downtown Cleveland and it took us from ten thirty till two thirty to get home. And Saint John Cathedral was packed with people. And I will close with this statement. Another coworker told me her girlfriend was walking the streets in Manhattan, and the sand, the between the mortar and so forth, she had a hard time getting it out of her hair. So I'll never forget that day. Um, Vicky, I am so glad you, um, or Jenny, I beg your pardon, Jenny, uh, I'm so glad you called to sh- to share that. Um, that's an image that I hadn't thought of. Um, you know, as I discussed earlier, putting myself on the on the you know ledge outside one of those windows. In that terror, putting myself in a plane seat, putting myself on the ground, listening to uh, the thumps of the jumpers and so forth. But the idea, because of what you just described, you know, mortar and dust and so on and so forth, a lot of that was mm-hmm. was was human um, ash, I guess, is a better yeah. way to say that. And yeah. uh, the, the imagery that you just described of trying to get that off of you and get it out of your hair and the trauma that that must have induced in each of these individuals, including your coworkers and loved ones and so forth, is impossible to really comprehend. But I'm glad you did it, because that's exactly what we mean when we say never forget. We have to remember the horror. I will never forget. My my grandfather was at Pearl Harbor in the mess hall when it was attacked. Wow. And he saw the planes. And I, I personally believe he suffered from PTSD, I believe is what it's called. Yep. Because he was never the same. He was never the same. How could you not? If you were on the ground in Manhattan, or in maybe even in the Pentagon, but particularly Manhattan because of the towers collapsing and the scale of it all, I, I can't imagine you wouldn't always suffer from PTSD uh, to a different degree in everyone, of course. You know, it affects mm-hmm. everybody a little bit differently, but uh, I would imagine your grandfather suffered it, and so did everyone uh, uh, in Manhattan that day as well. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate your call. God bless you. Uh, it's 1128, and we'll be back.
This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. 1138, final segment of this uh, Friday broadcast. You know, the the clip I played earlier, um, one of those just captures the shock, I think. This is a reporter from New Jersey uh, by the name of Burkett. It might might be Dave Burkett. I'm not 100% sure, but he was trying to get his live shot ready to go from right as close as they could get to the base of the towers, both of which were burning at the time. Uh, he's trying to get a get a live shot there, which turned out to not to be a live shot. They were recording it because he counts it down, does the two one, and he's trying to convey to the you know viewing audience um, you know the seriousness and the uh, scale of the destruction that they are witnessing when the tower starts to, starts to collapse literally right on top of him. This this just five seconds here is just if this doesn't capture the shock uh, of the moment, I don't know what does. Two and two, one. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now, raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. The cameraman had just panned up to the top of the buildings, you know, as they were both on fire, as I said. And uh, uh, right as they panned up to that, the... The, the South Tower started to collapse. And as you heard, we got it. And they just literally dropped everything and ran, with the exception of the cameraman who kept rolling uh, as he ran. And uh, the terror the terror was, was, was as real as, as it could possibly get to, to that moment. And the people on the ground there, again, I try to think about it all the time as all my discussions here talk about victims who are in the planes, in the buildings, um, uh, who are first responders and so forth, but we don't talk often enough about people who are just bystanders or media who are there looking up in shock and amazement and then, boom, having it all. Never could have imagined having it all collapse right on top of them. Just can't. You can't imagine it. Navy man Norm is in uh, Strongsville. Hi, Norm. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. The thing I vividly remember was that at noontime, it was standing room only in St. John's Cathedral that day and a few days after that but then within about a week's time it was business as usual uh plus we had our friends from the left hurling the usual where was your god uh in the media well our god was there and our god was there before and our god gave warning signs he gave warning signs to the fbi he gave warning signs to our government and our god is still there today but we've forgotten him Within a week of 9-11, we forgot God, but the minute it happened, all of us were on our knees, including me, and I include myself in that part about forgetting God, and uh, it's something that we never learned. We never learned, Bob, and I'm afraid we're going to learn it the hard way again, because all all the things that are going on point to another possible terrorist attack. I mean, we have open borders. Uh, they've acknowledged that our Department of Homeland Security has let in terrorists from Afghanistan and other third world countries. So I would just say to all of our listeners, get down on your knees tonight or on 9-11 itself, whatever is convenient for you, mm-hmm. and pray to God that this doesn't happen to us again. God bless America, Bob, and God bless you for all you do for us. Thank you, Norm. God bless you. Appreciate your phone call and your uh, sentiments. 
Um, Lisa in Medina. This is Lisa Woods from Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Good morning, Lisa. Hey, good good morning, and thanks uh, for doing the show in tradition like you have been. Um, you know, it's funny. I have a hard time remembering what I did two days ago, but 9-11 is crystal clear. Um, my story isn't real exciting. I was just going to a nursery to... Uh, you know, take my kids to preschool. My daughters were young at the time, and I was listening to a. It was a rock station radio, and uh, the gal uh, was talking, and she was talking about the first tower. And then, uh, as she was talking, they were watching the second one go down. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the feeling, the feeling of. Uh, what was going on in our hearts and minds at the time and the rest of the day and how we all were reaching out to our loved ones. I remember I couldn't wait to call my mom in Ohio. I was in Georgia at the time and uh, and, and wondering, you know, you, you had young kids too. Um, it, it, are we safe? What should we do? How, how should we prepare if things continue to get worse throughout the day? So, my, um, my my baby, uh, my first Jaden, was born three weeks prior, so I was feeding her on my lap that uh, morning as I turned on the TV in the nursery, you know, which you have in there in case it's the middle of the night feeding and you got to stay awake. Uh, but I literally saw it and then looked down at my little girl um, that I had just we had just brought into this world, and, and I said, my God, what have we done? And I literally called to my wife, and I said, look what we brought her into. Uh, and I t- pointed at the screen, and that's when she first saw it. Well, it was... Uh, yeah, it was a, and I'm like you. I can't remember yesterday, but I can remember that with crystal clarity. Um, I've, I've got thirty something? seconds, Lisa. I've got thirty seconds left. There's a meeting tomorrow, right? Yeah, we do. We have uh, Jonathan Broadbent, who was on your show earlier this week about talking about ESG. I'm talking to people and folks. That's right. Uh, some people know about it, and some don't. So this is going to be a really good one. And also, Chris Tarico usually shows up at the meetings too. Um, especially before 9-11. I believe awesome. he said he was going to be there, so he'll be there with more information, and I also put a link Eight. on, on my email. Thank 8:30, you. 8.30 tomorrow morning 8:30. at Thirsty Cowboy in Medina, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, Jonathan Barabent, Chris Rico, Lisa Woods, thank you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be free. Uh, and we'll talk to you again another time. Thank you. Everyone thank else, you. same message. Let's God go bless America. Go we'll see you next